Well, welcome to our official second episode of Reaching Your Summit podcast. I'm Nicole Davis with Summit Wealth Group. I'm the Director of Financial Planning Services. I'm here with Jamie, who is an advisor with Summit Wealth Group, and also Stephanie, who is our marketing administrator. So welcome, guys. Glad to have you today. So last week, we talked about financial goals and and setting them in the short term, intermediate, long term, and what those kind of look like. And today, we're going to go into a little bit more of getting organized and where you stand financially. So uh, first off, when we talk about this, the first thing that comes to mind is, hey, what do you have? You know, is it assets? Is it cash sitting somewhere? Do you have debt? Really going through all those different categories to figure out what you have and where, because there's so many places that you can have these things, whether it's what we call a hard asset, like a house or investable money. You know, it could be in all these different locations. So really figuring out what you have and where it is, is pretty essential. So Jamie, do you have any suggestions for clients when you meet with them for a way to get organized and know what they have? So first off, it's overwhelming in the first place to you know try to gather everything. And so just kind of taking it off in bite-sized pieces is a good start. But really, there's there's five things that I tell people that I need to know so I can help people with their financial planning. And those five things are, what are your assets? What are your liabilities? What's your income? What are your expenses? And the fifth thing, you. I need to know about you. You know, how do you feel about things? What are your goals? Kind of harkening back to our last episode, talking about goal setting. Once I know those five things, then we can start the financial planning process. But like I said, it is overwhelming trying to gather, you know, all those things just to go ahead and get organized. And I will say, sometimes that's one of the biggest obstacles I see people having to even get the financial planning process started because they might know what's in their bank account. They might have a statement of their retirement account, uh, but they may not know the interest rate on or on their mortgage, or they might not know what this one, you know, savings bond that their grandmother, uh, you know, gifted to them, you know, 10 years ago is. That's okay if you don't know what everything is. My job is to help decipher, okay, out of all those five things, what's going to be things that are going to be critical to help us make decisions about hitting your goals and about uh, implementing a financial plan. Some things are going to be completely um, important and crucial. Some things, you know, aren't going to be as as critical to the planning process. But the more we can know about somebody, the better um, advice that we can give. So, you know, like I say, don't be overwhelmed with it. Let me, let our team help guide you through getting the information that we need and helping you get organized. So whether you're somebody who keeps up-to-date spreadsheets and checklists, or if you're somebody who has everything stuffed in old shoe boxes, it's okay. Let's just not procrastinate. Let's get started. That's the main key. You know, it's interesting you say that because we have had from time to time clients that come in with like a shoe box of documents. And you yeah, know what? Yeah. That's okay. We can go through those documents. At least you have them. I would say, you know, getting the information from the clients is probably the one thing that delays doing a financial plan the most. 
mm-hmm. is just trying to gather the information because it can seem really daunting to to some people, depending again on, on how you kind of save your information. The the longer you've been around, the more stuff that you acquire, the easier it is to forget things. I can't tell you how many countless times you know we've been. And Nicole, you've seen this on the planning team. We've spent you know days you know putting together recommendations, and then they say, "Oh yeah, by the way, um, I own eight percent of my family's company, and it's valued at forty-five million dollars." Okay, well that's going to change a little bit of kind of the recommendations that we're going to make, and that is literally something that happened last year with some clients. We want to try to get as much as we can, and how you do it. We're going to share a couple of different ways of how to, you know, stay organized. There's no, once again, there's no wrong way to to skin this cat. It works differently for everyone. So Stephanie, how do you stay organized, whether it's financially, socially, or, or another aspect of your life? I guess I would call myself old school when it comes to being organized. I prefer to write things down rather than type them out on my phone or my computer I carry around a five-star notebook with my work to-do list scribbled on it each week. Um, Financially, I follow the 50-30-20 rule. 50% of my monthly after-tax income goes towards my needs, such as rent, bills, and groceries. 30% of it goes towards wants. Um, That could be date night at a new restaurant or buying new clothes. And I save the remaining 20%. In order to figure out how much I can afford to put in each of these buckets, I had looked back at my spending habits for the previous three months, and boy was that humbling. After I had my budget figured out, I contacted my bank and I opened two additional savings accounts. I can be very impulsive when it comes to spending money, so I have automatic transfers set up to divide my monthly after-tax income into each of these three accounts. That way my money is out of sight and out of mind and I'm only limited to spending what I have budgeted for myself. Um, Now that I have three months of my expenses and an emergency fund saved, I've started contributing more money to my retirement accounts. If there's a month that I have money left over in my needs or my wants bucket, I transfer that to my savings. It took me a few months to get used to this, but I can finally say I feel organized. Thanks. Those are some great ideas. Separating your money into buckets actually leads into a great part of finding where you stand financially. And that's really your cash flow. Like, like Stephanie said, and I am the same way. If that money sits in my checking account, that's like, I'm like, that's free game. I'm spending that money and everyone is different. But if it, if I take that money out first and I put it into my savings, it's like out of sight, out of mind. Like that's the, now this is the money I have to work with. So knowing where you stand in your cash flow just kind of helps you determine, hey, what can I save? Kind of looking at that. Jamie, you have any suggestions when it comes to figuring out cash flow? So let me ask you a question. Do you all know why 401k is one of the most popular ways people save for retirement? No, I don't know why. Out of out of mind. <laughs> Yeah, it goes much. right it, into investing without hitting your any of your accounts. <laughs> exactly. You don't you don't think about it. Um, yeah, I ask that a question when I when I lecture a lot and people say, well, you know, tax deferment. Okay, well, no, that's good. That's a good answer, but no. Or the other people, oh, well, I get you know, company match. Well, that's good. And then, you know, but 
Exactly, Nicole. It's when you got hired, you put a little check mark, and then you don't see it. It just automatically goes, and you're technically paying yourself first because that's your money. Uh, now, you can't touch it without a penalty until you're older. However, it is your money, so you're paying it to yourself. So I'm a huge fan of the paying yourself first rule. I drew a little a little um, paying yourself uh, diagram as, as Stephanie was talking about her method, but what I do, my wife and I, we sit down with our planner. We figure out how much we need to have go towards retirement, how much needs to go to my kid's account, how much need, I need to set aside for taxes, how much needs to go for fun. You know, I've got my fun bucket. Well, that money comes in, and before I even see it, it goes right back out to those different things. Then I can spend everything else and not necessarily have to worry about it. Because guess what? I don't know what I spend on coffee each month, and I don't care. I just know that, hey, here's what it takes to run my household on a monthly basis, and here's these goals that my family wants to accomplish. So we pay ourselves first, and then I can spend everything else. Because I think so many times people get intimidated when they're trying to get organized. They'll say one of the things that we talk about is, you know, the basics of financial planning. There's having your emergency reserve. There's, you know, having your budget. But I just I always want clients to remember when they're coming to talk to me, I'm not going to slap their hand and say, no, you're spending too much on you know going out to eat. It's, hey, let's focus on what you're trying to accomplish. Then I can help you figure out, all right. What are some things that we can do or tweak or move around to make sure you can try to hit that goal? But it's all about, yeah, you got to know where you stand financially before we can go anywhere else. So I am one of those people that likes to actually write down what I spend, but I also I also pay myself first. And this way, at the end of the month, for me, I, you know, being the director of financial planning services, I'm very much a numbers person. So I'm like, oh, look how much extra I have this month, you know? And so I start incorporating that in. You start where you can, you know, you start at a number and then you can increase that over time. Like we had said in our previous episode, your life changes, your jobs change, your incomes change, your expenses change, life changes. So it's just a it's just something to continually uh, kind of keep an eye on. So with looking at cash flow, the next thing really is what do you do with cash flow? And Stephanie kind of hit on it a little bit. Jamie, when someone comes to you and be like, "Oh, I have five hundred extra dollars," how do you go about determining what do they do with that? Yeah, well, it is a very good question. Before I can even answer it. I have to go back to what we just talked about, knowing where you stand. What are those five things? I got to know uh, if you got 500 extra bucks, fantastic. But if you only have $500 in your bank account, all right, it just needs to go straight to your bank account. You don't need to be doing any investing or anything like that. We just need to build up that emergency reserve first. Or if you say, hey, I've got my emergency reserve filled. I'm steady on my retirement. I don't want to put it right there then it's a matter of, okay, maybe we need to do some planning. Maybe we need to do some digging to figure out what needs to be a priority. Sometimes it's, we need to pay down debt. Sometimes it's, hey, let's put towards uh, more towards retirement. So it's really going to depend on that individual. And like I said, knowing that fifth thing, you, and what all's going on in your life and what wants to be a priority. Every now and then I'll just say, okay, you got a thousand bucks. Everything's looking pretty good. How about 500 goes here? 500 goes there. Okay. Cool. Sometimes that's all you need. It's just 
let's go ahead and do it. And then we can come back and visit it in several months and say, all right, how are you feeling about that? Do we need to shift money over to one side or the other? Or do we need to stop or can we increase it? So once again, financial planning is a dynamic thing. It's always happening. It's always changing. One of the other things to come to mind, not only what you're placing them for the reason you're placing it into whatever investment, but also looking at your current tax situation, because you can put money into different types of retirement accounts. We talked a little bit about this last time, the 401k. Well, a Roth 401k has become a very popular option. Nicole, that's a great point. Can you explain the benefits of a Roth 401k? So for those that don't know what a Roth 401k, it's putting in those after-tax dollars in, still growing tax-deferred. And then when you pull out, it's 100% tax-free if you're pulling it out after um, 59 and a half and for the right reasons. So, you know, you really look at that and there's different ways to go about it. And like we said, there's different rules for different things, right? So that Roth 401k, for example, it doesn't follow the same rules as what a Roth IRA, you know, just because you make a certain amount of money, isn't going to exclude you contributing to the Roth 401k. But here's an interesting fact that I think a lot of people miss if they have an employer who is making contributions for them and they are putting money into the Roth 401k, that employer's money is always going to be on the taxable side. It's not going in tax-free. A lot of times people are not aware of that. And I think they have this huge amount of tax-free funds built up. But part of that, if it comes from your employer, it's always going to be taxable funds when you go to pull it out. So in the last episode, we had talked about the max contribution. What's the max contribution for the Roth 401k? Is there one? It's the same as the 401k. So oh. it follows 401k rules, which. In 2022, you know, 20,500. A little bit different than your typical Roth IRA, which has a lot more limitations to it. Great question, Stephanie. And I think, too, when a client does come and they ask me about that, they've already got their mind. Okay, here's where where I think I need to put it. And that's okay because most of the time, their you know intuition, their first guess is usually right. However, I'm never going to say, well, I don't care. I mean, we want to know. Uh, I'm going to be annoying and ask you a whole lot of questions because, once again, I want to figure out what your tax situation is. I want to know, you know, what those goals are, because maybe there's something that you may not know about or you might misunderstand. So I'll have clients send me an email or call me all the time. And they say, hey, I'm sorry to bother you. No, you're not bothering me. This is what I'm paid to do is to look over everything and to help you make that decision so you can know you're uh, making that decision with confidence. So so many things that go into making those decisions. And sometimes it's just helpful to have someone to kind of bounce your ideas off and be like, hey, am I thinking about that right? I keep my ears open. I learn things from clients when they call me and they talk about it. I learned about a bank paying a pretty decent interest rate the other day that I didn't even know about. My client told told me about it because he's got uh, tuition for his kid's private school, um, multiple kids. In March, he's going to be paying it. He's got it at this CD at the bank, said, hey, that's a perfect spot to get it. I said, by the way, what are they paying? He told me. Kind of surprised that they that they was paying that way. So not just uh, things like interest rates, but just different ideas, different approaches of organizing. It, it's really amazing just what you know people can come up with. 
And, you know, I learn a lot from my clients as much as, uh, you know, that, that I'm telling them. Jamie, Stephanie, do you have anything else to add on that? Yeah, no, just the, the more thorough and the more information, even if it's uh, even it's what you might think is a is a no brainer, man, sometimes just, you know, I never want my client to say, I don't want to bother you with that. Come to me. Let's look at it because it might be more complicated than you think. And the more details we can get, uh, the more information, the better advice we can give. Definitely. If you haven't taken the time to get financially organized, this is your sign to do it. Set your financial goals and create a realistic budget that will help you reach them. Whether you have things automated or you track your funds on an Excel spreadsheet, make sure you adjust as life changes. There's no wrong way to organize. Yeah. I mean, I keep, I just keep an ongoing spreadsheet pretty easy. I say spreadsheet, you know, that, you know, some people might think there's, form- no, there's no formulas. It's just, here's what these different accounts are. And I update it every couple of months, just so I know where, where everything stands. And when it comes time for planning, boom, all I got to do is you can pull that up, update it. And, you know, everything is right there. That's a great idea, Jamie. After you get financially organized, where should you store your sensitive materials like wills, life insurance policies? Jamie, what do you recommend to clients? Make sure somebody, whether it's your spouse, whether it's a sibling, parent, make sure somebody knows where all that stuff is. Have that organized. If I can tell you one thing, make sure that's organized as best as you can possibly get it. That's in a safe place. If you have a safe, I recommend that. Sometimes I'll even recommend it people keep it in your freezer if you don't have a safe. You know, put your life insurance policies in the freezer underneath the popsicles because you know something happens, house catches on fire, it's going to be safe in your freezer right there. Also, your powers of attorney, another huge thing that I, you know recommend people have. People always just jump to wills and trusts, but your power of attorney, very critical thing that you want to have to stay organized because if you're incapacitated, you want somebody to be able to make financial decisions uh, for you. Another thing about being organized that doesn't have to do with spreadsheets, but make sure your beneficiaries are up to date. Any type of retirement account, any type of life insurance policy, you have to name beneficiaries. Always please make sure that those are up to date. I know in the years that I've been doing this, I've run into people that thought they were going to be getting uh, some money, but it ended up going to somebody else simply because somebody didn't have a life insurance policy. Uh, updated with a beneficiary, not good. Had people um, <coughs> pass away without beneficiaries named, and uh, money that would pass tax free now has to go through probate, has to go through trust. So that can be in a uh, that can cause a whole lot of mess. Attorneys have to deal with that. Successor yeah. beneficiaries is really important too. Well, yeah. What do you mean by that, Nicole? So a successor uh, beneficiary is who would go to if you're primary beneficiary is no longer around. So let's say they passed away, then it would go to the successor beneficiary. And a lot of, a lot of accounts allow you to put a successor. If they allow a beneficiary on it, they'll allow a successor beneficiary. Um, One of the great things Jamie was mentioning about the state planning documents. I know some, some clients will just keep them on like a thumb drive altogether or in a secure uh, folder in the cloud or something like that so that they can access it from anywhere. I know this is probably really old school, but even that safe deposit box for some important stuff. Sharing with your kids or significant other or someone special in your life, hey, this is my advisor. Call him 
if you have anything, because they'll probably have all that stuff. So they would be able to help you out. I had a client just the other day who um, I had helped him place on life insurance several years ago. Uh, got another kid. Uh, he's become um, a partner at the practice he works at. Said, "Hey, I want to look at getting some more life insurance." I said, "Sure, let's you know kind of calculate that out. What are you thinking?" Got through the whole conversation. I said, "Hey, man, you're not accounting for that seven hundred thousand dollars that we got for you about five years ago." I said, "Oh, well, I don't even know where that is." So, I mean, think about that. If this guy had passed away, and if no one had called me, they, he didn't know where this was. That's $700,000 of tax-free money. So please, when you get any type of insurance policy or any type of uh, any bank account or retirement account, investment account, have that organized as as best as you possibly can. And the titling of your assets is another part of being organized. Uh, How's your house titled? How are your uh, investment accounts titled? Is it jointly owned? Is it individually owned? that's just as important sometimes as the beneficiaries. If you own land or if you own real estate in another state, that can create a whole lot of headache. It's more than just, hey, what's my budget and what's the listing of my assets? It's the titling of your assets and how your estate documents are set up. So, heck, I wasn't even thinking about that when we even started this episode. Neither but... was I when you brought up. I was like, that's a whole other topic we almost yeah. missed. <laughs> well, well, but I mean, it really is. You know, Nicole, when I am doing client reviews, every single uh, client review I do, that's one of the last things that's that we touch on is, hey, do we have your powers of attorney on file? Are the beneficiaries updated? How are things titled? Does anything need to be updated? Births divorces, deaths, just changes in you know what your job is, all of that can have an effect on, on how you're organized. So our next episode, buying a home, are you ready and how to get ready? Thanks for listening to the Reach Your Summit podcast brought to you by Summit Wealth Group. If you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. If you have any questions or topics that you'd like us to cover, please email info at summitwealthgroup.com. Thanks again.